Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. How is it all going? It's very well, thanks. I'm just looking at this brand new top secret Arsenal kit that I didn't know anything about. Yeah, me too. I mean, where the hell did that come from? Nobody could have seen that coming. Literally nobody, unless they have the internet. Yeah, yeah. One of those, oh shit, we better get this out there kind of things. Someone's yeah, done it do already. That was pushed forward a wee bit. Yeah, just a little bit, just <laughs> a little bit. Obviously, what happened uh, with the shirt leaks? Uh, that 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 man in Australia. I'd say that guy in Australia has been hunted down by the Arsenal hit squad, the mm. marketing men. You know what marketing people are like? Like super tough. Just take no prisoners, no bullshit. They've been planning this kit launch for like months and months and months, working hard with Puma for a big reveal. And then some shop boy in Australia puts it out on the shelves ahead of time and outrageous r- ruins outrageous. the whole thing. And then Granite Shacker's little mate <laughs> rubbing salt in the wounds. They just, yeah, I mean, they, they blew the whole thing there, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They really they did. did. So anyway, look, we'll come to all that. Uh, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, yeah. Yeah? Um, I'm just trying to reflect on the weekend, see if anything of note happened. Not particularly. Watched a bit of football, saw bits and pieces of the FA Cup final, watched the England game. Um, I didn't so, watch, yeah, I didn't watch England. Yourself. Yeah, it's all grand, all grand. Nothing really strange or startling. Um, yeah, watched some football, watched the FA Cup final myself. What did you make of that? Uh, it was a bit shit, really. Um, as a it's game, all Alan Pardew's fault, I saw you saying, for his for his celebratory dance. Pretty much. Look, you know how it is. It's Manchester United and Crystal Palace. And I think we all wanted Crystal Palace to win. And I was very much of that opinion. I wanted Crystal Palace to win the FA Cup final. It, you know, it's the natural order of things. When there's a big team against a little team, you're up for the little team. If you're not invested in either team, if you don't really give a shit, just go with the underdog go with the least likely to win and that seemed to me to be Crystal Palace and they scored what a great goal it was they scored brilliant goal it really was fantastic and he enjoyed that didn't he punching um, just a bit yeah having come great off celebration. the bench yeah that was a real like fuck you you should fucking start me you can't fuck you celebration I like that one of those one of those and then then Alan Pardew danced. Mm. He did the dance. Like, I got no problem with celebrating a goal, really. At that stage of a cup final, of course, you know, you give it the fist pumps and the... But the dancing, when, when that happened, I was, like, no longer... I just couldn't bear for him to win the FA Cup. I mean, you never you never even liked it, really, when it was our players dancing, like Savabue and Adebayor. No. For it to be Alan Pardew... It's a whole new level. There's just literally no justification for that kind of behaviour on the touchline from a man in his 50s. If they'd won the cup and he did a little dance, look, I don't think anybody would really begrudge him that, would they? Because you look back at Alan Pardew's career in the FA Cup, remember the heartbreak 
West Ham two, three, two up, wasn't it, against Liverpool into injury time, thinking yeah, we're going to win the cup here. And then Steven Gerrard scored that amazing goal. When was that? About nine or ten years ago. So you know he's got a, he's got he's got some hurt, some residue pain, which I don't uh, have any problem with. You know, the more pain Alan Pardew has, the better for everyone, I think. But uh, you, you know, if he danced. Having won the cup, nobody would have had a real problem. But you score a goal in whatever it was, the 77th minute, and you're giving it all this, you know, fucking like a creepy uncle at a wedding dancing on the sideline, and then your team concedes a goal within three minutes. That's fucking on you. That's on you, I I say, as a manager. It would have been great if Van Gaal had responded to the equaliser with a dance of his own. Like if he'd done the Macarena at him. Like he exactly. did, <laughs> like when he f- uh, fell on the ground uh, during our game. Remember, he was uh, showing the referee, "Hey, wait, look, look, look! So this is what a dive is." And he should have gone up to Pardew and said, "This is what a dance is," and done the Macarena or the Birdie song or some yeah, other. Yeah, it's just the the game just descended into kind of a Run DMC style dance off. I would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> Van Hal doing a Charleston yeah. on the sideline, <laughs> just in Pardew's face. But like, you can't look beyond that, can you? From a from a manager's point of view, what do you do when your team goes? ahead in a cup final what should you do you tell them hey there's 12 minutes left of this game get yourself fucking organized get your minds in the game play like it's you know like your life depends on it do you're supposed to do that thing where you point at your head aren't you yeah (laughs) point furiously at your head and sort of urge people to keep calm think yes exactly you know do the the two hands in front of you like you're like that's you're it. pushing down to small, a dwarf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that's <laughs> You do that. Exactly. Exactly. You don't fucking dance. You fucking stupid no. prick. You fucking gobshite fucking dickhead. You just don't do that. And then of course, you know, when they concede with three minutes ago or three minutes later, you're going, Well, fuck you, you deserve that. You deserve that. I've got an image in my mind of people all around the country watching that goal, and obviously most neutrals were back in Palace, so when the ball hit the net, everyone's on their feet cheering, suddenly the camera cuts to Pardew dancing, and everyone across the land is just instantaneously sick all yeah. over the floor. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, no, no! I don't know, you feel, <laughs> you feel kind of, uh, you know, sorry about enjoying what happened, because he sullied Guilty. it. He, yeah, exactly, he, he, he sullied the whole thing. Such a shame. It's like all those old Top of the Pops episodes. You just can't enjoy them because of all the rapists. True. Very true. Basically the whole in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. Um, What about the other manager, the man in the other dugout? What did you make of his demise? Well, on the one hand, it's clearly not been a happy time uh, for him at Manchester United. Uh, I thought, well, wasn't it interesting this morning and, and yesterday to read all the Manchester-based journalists with the same anecdotes mm. about the, the the crazy things that he did uh, during his time, that how strict he was, how he wouldn't let the players take, uh, you know, no shooting with your first touch. One, one player is so dim that he doesn't know how to fucking boil an egg, so he got the club <laughs> chef to boil. But they all had... They all had the same. Uh, they all had the same anecdotes. So it's clear that Manchester United are uh, are briefing uh, the journalists to, I guess, lay the groundwork for for Mourinho because it's you know Van Gaal wasn't hugely popular, but he's not a monster. 
And what Manchester United are obviously trying to do is make it acceptable for there to be a monster in charge of their football club. So Van Hal is terrible. Look at what he did. He was so strict and terrible and stupid and, you know, emails and this and that and the other. And he was so bad. And he probably was bad in certain ways, but he wasn't a fucking sociopathic egomaniac fucking cuntbag who's about to take over there. And it's... Yeah, go on. Case that desperate times require desperate measures. Well, yeah, that's that's true. But they, you know, get Dave Bassett in then if that's how desperate you are. <laughs> how Redknapp's available? Yeah, very true. I mean, look, I thought it was pretty grotty, regardless of what you think of Van Hal and how he's worked there or hasn't worked there, for him to be uh, for the story to come out the way that it did just before the cup final to emerge on the morning of the cup final. I mean, you can't tell me that Mourinho didn't have a part to play in that. There's no way that that wasn't organised by Mourinho so that he could become the story on a day when another manager and a club that he isn't managing win a trophy, it's still all about him. Like, 100% about Mourinho. Nobody, fuck, I mean, nobody's talking about the cup final. Nobody's talking about them lifting a trophy. They're talking about Van Gaal going out and Mourinho coming in. So, well, I mean, there was the fans were singing Jose Mourinho at the end of the game and fucking dickheads on the trains back from Wembley. So it worked to perfection, I guess. Oh fuck! Yeah, I mean, what do you make of it then? What What was your take on it? I think it's quite unseemly, isn't it? It's not particularly becoming of a club who you know claimed to be to do things the right way. It's quite reminiscent of. Roberto Mancini, when he lost the FA Cup final, I think it was a very similar thing in terms of the story coming out almost on the day. Mm. I'm, I am still now it's happened. I know it's been talked about and talked about for six months. I am still surprised that they've gone for Mourinho. I would have thought that the reservations that prevented them from appointing him in the first place would still stand. Uh, but it seems. I don't know, it seems they're prepared to do that deal with the devil. It'll be fascinating to see how that plays out. I think what's happened at Chelsea definitely damaged Mourinho's aura somewhat. So interesting to see if he can recover from that. It's weird appointing a manager who you know at some point is going to combust. Yeah, yeah, but I think they're looking at the short-term success that he can bring. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's going to be a huge... I mean, that guy there, Woodward, right? Ed Woodward. Mm. Um, he he doesn't strike me as a convincing CEO or chief executive of a football club. Um, he doesn't seem like a real football man, like Ivan Gazidis. <laughs> but what I mean is that um, he's been enthralled to uh, George Mendes anyway, hasn't he? Yeah, very much. So, so now with Mourinho there. I wonder, I mean, the stories were, weren't there at Real Madrid that, that uh, Mendes basically had an office at the Real Madrid training ground. I wonder, is that going to be the case at Manchester United, that all the signings, it is essentially uh, a Portuguese version of Harry Redknapp and Willie McKay, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's what's, that's what happens. These are all going to be uh, Mendes players that arrive at Manchester United and, and he's got a huge stable, a very big stable of those players. Very good players, of course. But, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 they could get a foul cow back. Yeah, wow. Yeah, lucky them. <laughs> lucky them. Um, yeah, I mean, I wonder, I, ju- I do wonder how it's all going to go because isn't the, one of the problems that people had with Van Hal at Manchester United was the type of football that he was playing and 
the fact that it wasn't expansive attacking football the way Manchester United have enjoyed it down the years under Alex Ferguson. And Mourinho, as we know, is a very good but functional manager in terms of the way that he likes his teams to play. I mean, mm. there's not, not much room for anything other than what he says uh, for individual expression. I mean, he'll build a he'll build a very effective machine there, I think. And, of course, he will be a massive, massive cunt. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, next season is shaping up to be really interesting. Well, you've got Pep Guardiola and Manchester City, right? I thought you were going to say an absolute confest. It, it is going to be an absolute confest. <laughs> I think I said that on Twitter yesterday. Because you've got Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, so the two big Manchester clubs, you've got this rivalry reignited, Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho from the time that they were at uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And if we remember... Jose Mourinho, uh, he behaved particularly badly towards Tito Villanova, uh, yes. the, the Barcelona assistant uh, manager. He gouged him in the eye and uh, Tito Villanova uh, got cancer and died. So, so I, if I was Mikel Arteta, I'd be a little bit worried because he's going to take over. If I mean, if Mourinho goes anywhere near Mikel Arteta's eyes, fuck him. Like it's all worse, his yeah. hair. He, I can't touch it. It's just like it doesn't move. Like Mourinho could go at it with a jackhammer, he could, and Arteta's hair would be perfect, just perfect. <laughs> but he will try and dig his thumb, his evil poisonous thumb, into his eye or some other orifice at some point, because it will kick off, won't it? Of course it will. Of course it will, and it will be box office. But uh, it'll be ugly, and it'll dominate the, the news agenda. I imagine the battle between those two in particular, Guardiola Mourinho. Yeah. Do you think Mourinho will be a success then? Do you expect United to improve under him? Well, look, they're going to throw a, a fucking load of money uh, at more players. What have they spent? A quarter of a billion pounds in the last two years under Van Hal. They're going to spend... Mm. So There was talk this morning of a £200 million transfer budget. Um, there's no way that Mourinho is not going to spend a load of money because that's the way that he operates. That's his modus operandi as a manager is to spend big on big players. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there because he's going to bring in, he's going to have to bring in a striker. He's going to have to bring in central defenders. He's going to have to bring in midfielders. So what happens to the uh, to the youth players or the players who've made a bit of a breakthrough this season under Van Hal? If there is a bright spot for Man United, it's people like uh, Jesse Lingard. What a goal that was to win the cup final, by the way. Um, uh, Marcus, Marcus Rashford. Rashford. You know, Martial is still young. Um uh, but Mourinho doesn't tend to like working with young players. Mm. He doesn't like it because I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't. He can't deal with the fact that they're developing and flawed. Um, he would much rather work with players who are much closer to the to the finished uh, article, who he can who he can then you know create his uh, or build his team around. So that'll be interesting. But they're just going to spend a load of money, and if you can't spend two hundred million pounds and make a team like Manchester United relatively successful, then you're doing a fucking terrible job. So yeah, I expect them to to be uh, a big threat next season. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, there'll be massive competition for the top four if you think about. The four that finished there this year, um, so us, Spurs, Leicester City, then you've got United, then you have a potentially revitalised Chelsea, you'll have mm. a Liverpool improving under Klopp, uh, West Ham are going to spend a lot of money. It's going mm. to be very, very interesting. certainly is. Make for a, a challenging season. And of course, uh, much will depend on what we do in the transfer market. And it looks like 
We're about to make our first purchase. Uh, yeah. yeah. Looks like we've done something. And it's it's exciting, which is... Uh, because there was that story last week, wasn't there, saying, oh, we've low-balled them, we've come in with a bid that was lower than they anticipated. But yeah. I would imagine that cannot be the case now. No, well, look, the guy's in London getting his pictures taken, which suggests to me that deal is, is done. Mm. Um, just a matter of, of announcing it now. Um what did you what did you make of the leak? Uh, I thought that was quite interesting. I can imagine. Can you imagine what they were like uh, inside Arsenal when that happened? When the players' pictures leaked. I mean, like, Arsenal are quite good at keeping things like that quiet, aren't they? You know, we don't we haven't seen many leaks like that before. But it will become more regular. Do you think? Do you think it's going to be harder and harder for them to keep these kinds of you know unveilings quiet? Maybe, but I think what they might do is they might restrict the people who are privy to the photos being taken, etc. So the word is, wasn't it, was Xhaka's brother right. who stuck up the pictures on Snapchat. So I can I can foresee a situation where future signings, uh, when you get your pictures taken, you know, your, your brother or your girlfriend or your significant other or your mates, they got to wait outside. Sorry? <laughs> yeah. You, you, it's uh, only you are allowed in to see Dr. McFarlane to uh, take these pictures. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say they will put procedures in place where leaks become a lot more difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's great as a fan. You see that come out, and it's it's fantastic. People would have been worrying all weekend, wouldn't they? And I think it, it's lifted the mood a little bit. Do you uh, think the club will, in the same way they have with the kit, kind of move things along a bit faster? Do you think they'll make some sort of announcement soon saying that an agreement is imminent or yeah yeah i would i wouldn't be surprised to see something today to be perfectly honest because what they've done is obviously brought forward the kit release and then i think they've got to then i think that had to come before announcing the player in the new kit didn't it so the first thing they had to do was go here's our new kit surprise look at our new kit it's beautiful and then like here's our new player in our new kit. So I think that's probably what we're looking at. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a, an announcement today uh, about him. Um, did you see that as well that there's been a shirt number change? I did indeed, yeah. Uh, Alexis has moved from 17 to 7. Yeah, so there was um, a story emerged at the weekend that new mm. squad numbers were being revealed. Uh, I'm just loading it up here. So Alexis moving from 17 to 7 has been confirmed today by the club. Again, a picture uh, of the uh, of the guy in his brand new kit, in the uh, in the new kit. Uh, I think the other ones were, was it Bellerin to number two? Oh, really? I think. I could be, could be wrong here. Uh, I'm just waiting for the, actually, we've done this thing. We've just uh, posted a story on Arsblog News about uh, the Alexis kit number change. And uh, I'm sure I've explained this before, but aside from transfer stories, the the stories that make uh, people go crazy the most are about shirt numbers. That's amazing, isn't it? One of our biggest ever stories was when Abu Dhabi changed his number from 2 to 24. <laughs> I swear to God. It's bizarre. So the leak is, okay, Czech is going to number one. He's taking the number one shirt. Right. Alexis, number seven. Coquelin, number eight. And Granit Xhaka, 34, because uh, 34 is his uh, is his number. Uh, he spoke about it uh, in January. He said, 34 was my first professional number at Basel. It's even tattooed on my back. I've seen that, yeah. yeah? 
Um, and he, he even uh, made a little joke about it. He said, at Arsenal, Coquelin has it. I've spoken with him. He would like to take another number. So it looks like that's going to go through. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, the only one they've announced for now is the Alexis one, right? Yeah, that's right, because it was, it was available on the, on the Arsenal shop. So if you went to buy a shirt on the Arsenal shop this morning, you you had to uh, you could pick your uh, shirt numbers. I'm just going to do it here. So as you go down, squad player Alexis seven. There don't appear to be any other changes as of yet. Um, so yeah, we, those aren't confirmed. But I guess they're not going to confirm uh, a Jaka shirt number or Cockerland shirt number until. Until the deal is is properly announced, so there uh, we go. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've just seen a tweet from uh, Akil Vias Ten Akil on Twitter. Yeah, saying, "Um, guys, why can you still buy a shirt with Flamini's name on it, but no Arteta or Rizitsky? Um, is there something going on, Andrew, that we don't know about? I don't know. I'm now on the website looking, and he's right. You can still buy a Flamini 20 shirt. Do you think Meza Ozil, as a condition of his new contract, has insisted that Flamini's deal was extended as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's really weird, isn't it? Because there was all the fuss made on the final day about Arteta and all uh, stories about Rosicki. Mm. And Arsene Wenger in his press conference talked about um, you know, those three players leaving. We're, we're losing lots of experience. I saw uh, one of the players, I can't remember who it was, on Instagram posted, cheers, you guys. It's great playing with you. And they had Arteta, Flamini and, and Rosicki. Mm. But there's been nothing, nothing whatsoever from the club about Flamini leaving. There's been nothing, no like, thanks, Matthew. Cheers, Flamster. Nice one, mate. None, none of that. Nothing. So could it be that Matthew Flamini is staying? I mean, surely not. We've got a lot of midfielders now, haven't we? If we sign Xhaka and with Elneny there. Yeah. The Wobi having emerged. Yeah. I'm just looking. But I mean, he's still is, there. Is, but is, he's out of contract, isn't he? I mean, he is out of he is Yeah, out he of deals contract. out this summer, yeah. I mean, I'm going to look on transfer marked. He did an interview, didn't he, recently in the Independent or something? Did he mention anything in that? Um, it was in the Financial Times, but he Financial didn't. Financial Times, that's it. He didn't say anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it it shows that his contract is up at the end of June. Maybe they're like having, maybe they're arranging a parade for him. Maybe, and, and they they don't want to tell anyone yet. It's a surprise. Maybe Flamini shirts sell surprisingly well. And they just want to maximise revenue before he officially goes. Yeah. Maybe they don't know how to tell Ozil. <laughs> that could be it. Sorry. No one's told Ozil yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what it is, but I, yeah. He's definitely there. Are you worried? I'm not worried because we've bought, it looks like we've bought a player who's going to knock him down the pecking order, which is great. Yeah. Um, on the Alexis thing, this may be completely irrational of me, but because he's changed squad number, I now am not worried he's going to leave. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think you give a guy a new number if he's 
planning on leaving or if you're not planning on, on keeping him. I mean, I don't think there was any question of us not wanting to keep him. I do think that a lot of the stuff that, that came out about him being unhappy, etc., etc., I think, you know, we have to remember that Arsenal are trying to get him to sign a new deal. So if mm. they are, they're trying to sign it, if he's like super happy, well, here, have this. But if we've got to convince him, if we've got to woo him, if we've got to give him a bit more money, those sort of stories make a lot more sense. Yeah, so, absolutely. So what, what, absolutely. what do you make of the, uh, the new kit? A uh, tweet from Dara O'Brien, who said, Did you know that nappies now have a faint yellow line down the front that goes blue after a wee? Not sure why this came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, but there you go. Good, good to be aware. Yeah. I... Do you think it's, it's uh, in case uh, any of our players... Um, Wee through their torsos, or or let's say lactate in sympathy with their pregnant wives or girlfriends. Maybe that's what it is. Could be that. Could be that. I'm not sure why the players need to know that though. Um, I I think the kit's okay. I'm not sure about the line down the middle. It's odd, isn't it? It's like cut here for mad scientists. Yeah. It's a bit uh, like. It's just sort of. I mean. <laughs> It's there, but it's not really there. If you're going to have a line there. down it, like, have a fucking super line. Make it a white line or a, like, I don't know, gold or I, I don't know. It just looks like a bit of cloth or a bit of off-cut material to, to keep the thing together. If it wasn't there, would it be a better kit? Maybe. I don't know. It's a red shirt with white sleeves and it looks fine to me, really. It looks to fine to me as well. I don't love it. I'm not sure about the bit down the middle, but, you know, I think at least Puma aren't trying to radically reinvent things. Yeah, that's true. At least they're sticking with the formula. Well, look, I mean, the good thing about it is that if you buy the authentic home kit, it, it does remarkable things to you. Remarkable things. I'm going to read this from the, webs- the website. Apparently, it's got ACTV technology, Right. It wow. uses athletic tape on the inside of the garment to provide micro-massages in specific areas of the skin, which may help enable a faster or more effective energy supply to the muscles. The compression is intended to reduce muscle vibration during exercise and promote faster recovery for your next game. The power cell next to skin construction is designed to work with your body's natural systems to help you enhance and maximize your performance during and after exercise. Whew. I mean, that's that's pretty... Fu- it's just a fucking shirt. I bet it costs a pretty penny, though, if it does that. £100. £100? Pounds. Pounds. pounds to get the, like, super fit, um, tight uh, player shirt. Would you like that? Would you like your your nipples I'd to be there on display? I'd need a bit of time to get ready for that tight shirt. Mm. I'd need a bit of prep time, I think. I've, I've never tried one on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the shirt would survive the trying on process. It would be just like one of the tight Under Armour things that you would right. wear from time to time. Do you wear those on a cold night? I when don't you're actually. No, no, I probably should. It would make me feel more like a real footballer. Yeah. yeah. Do you wear them? Uh, I, in winter, yeah, I'll wear like the yeah. under the undershirt thing because it just keeps you a bit warmer. Interesting. Yeah. I'm looking at the goalkeeper kit. Have you seen the goalkeeper kit? No. The goalkeeper kit's got this weird sort of bar. On the arm of it. Oh, Sorry. yeah. Which looks like... It looks like when you're testing a printer. Exactly, yeah. It's got blue, yeah, cyan, magenta and yellow. 
Very curious. That is weird, isn't it? It's almost like somebody left a printer test sheet <laughs> over the design and they went, oh, they want that on it. Well, that's a bit weird. We'll do that then. Cyan, magenta and yellow patches. Yeah. What is that? Under the arm is a Y-shaped mesh gusset. <laughs> everybody, cool. everybody needs a gusset. People have been complaining about the the body odor of yeah. the check. And they're, they're, putting yeah. some ventilation. The mesh gusset. That's what. Well, that's what's needed for sure. Fucking I hell. want to see the new hat. If they're not released, Fetchek's new hat. That would be good. <laughs> if it's a of course, he wears an Adidas hat, much to Puma's irritation. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, look, um, that's all kit stuff and that, but we didn't actually really talk about Granite Xhaka. No. Like, we're assuming he's arrived, and by the time we do the next podcast next week, it'll be old news. So, I mean, what do you make of it from the point of view of, of, uh, of him as a signing and what it means for the Arsenal midfield? Well, I think it, uh, I've spoken to a few people who've watched quite a lot of him in the Bundesliga. I haven't, to be honest. I've seen him play for Switzerland a few times. Um, but everyone speaks very, very highly of him. I think he's a player who... If you think that Arteta and Flamini have gone, as sort of the deeper line midfielders, and you think that Xhaka and Elneny have come in, it feels like we've probably made some steps forward in that area of the park. I think Elneny's a superior player to Flamini, and Xhaka you know, is a, has more parallels with Arteta as someone who likes to come deep, mm. pick the ball up off the back four... Uh, and has a good range of passing. So I think it's really interesting. What's what's most fascinating is with the options we've got now, what does Arsene Wenger see as his kind of first choice pairing? You'd imagine if we've gone out and spent £30 million on a guy, he's going to play. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, it will be very interesting. I, was, I touched on that in the blog this morning, like how he's obviously identified midfield as an area that needed some strengthening and needed mm. qualities brought into it that we didn't have, uh, whether they were there because the players were too old or too injured or, you know, just not good enough, uh, you know, to bring in El Nani and bring in Shaka, um, you know, within the space of months, basically, uh, you know, we're in May, we're waiting for it to be confirmed and, and El Nani arrived in January. So you're talking about a 40, 45 million pound outlay on two midfielders in the last couple of months, uh, which is obviously uh, a sign that the manager wants uh, things to change in there. Quite how he brings all those players together with Ramsey, with Wilshire, with Cazorla, with Coquelin, it remains to be seen. I do wonder if we're going to look at things being... A, maybe, does it perhaps touch on a, a change of formation? Could that be possible? It could be possible. It could be possible. I, I, I just can't quite work it out. Yeah, maybe we'll come out and two of the questions, actually. There's been a yeah. few questions about how we might line up with him. So, yeah, we'll talk about it then. Okay, all right. Just before we go uh, into the second part of the show and the questions, was there anything else we should have touched on? I'm just trying to have a think. Um... There's nothing else sort of strange or startling. I've got an email here to read, just if there isn't anything that we can think of. No, yeah, go on. Read, read away. All right, so remember last week we talked about the Tottenham... Uh, the new logo or the new... Yes, the new the Latin. Uh, slogan. Yes. So anyway, Randall Pogorels Pogorzelski. <laughs> that's tough. He's a Latin scholar. He's, he's writing from North London, Ontario in Canada. Okay. And he said, um, 
He gave us some suggestions. He said, I'm sure you've had plenty of Latinists write in already, but I'll add my opinion to what should already be a scholarly consensus. Uh, He reckons that semper in umbra, always in the shadow, or iorum in umbra, in their shadow, or armentari, no, armamentari in umbra, in the shadow of Arsenal might work as well. But he says, I've been thinking for the last couple of days about what kind of motto I would write for that lot. And he says, I've settled on Longe Sereumus Eustigia. And it says, let us follow their tracks at a distance. He said, this motto alludes to Virgil's Aenid, book two, line 711, when Aenus, Aenus, you've got to say that carefully, fleeing the burning city of Troy, tells his father to climb onto his shoulder to be carried out. He tells his son to hold his hand and run, along, uh, run alongside him and tells his wife to follow their tracks at a distance. At Longe Seruet Eustigia Coniux or Coninux. I can't, I'm saying this badly, but anyway. But Crusa, who's Anus' wife, follows him at a distance, but she falls too far behind and is killed. About a century after Virgil, Statius alluded to Virgil's line in uh, Thebaid, book 12, eight, uh, line 817, instructing his poem to respect the superiority of the Aenid and not to challenge the greater poem, but to follow at a distance and always revere the tracks. So Longe Serimius uh, Eustigia, as Spurs' motto suggests, proper respect for the superior club and always an appropriate fate for the inferior club. So there you go. I he, love that email. Yeah, and then he says, alternatively, I might suggest a simpler, but just as poetic, iterum factum est. It's happened again. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So there you go. Thank you very much, Randall, in North London, Ontario, in Canada. So look, we'll take a break. We'll come back with your questions in part two right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog. Um, we've just been looking at more pictures of the new kit. Mm-hmm. Olivier Giroud, Alexis Sanchez, Mesut Ozil, all there, front and centre. Front and centre, that's got to be a good omen. Yeah. And who else is in there? Um, Perez he- is behind. Thierry Henry, Hector Bellerin. Yeah, so they'll all be in the team next year. Yeah. A guy with a beard holding his hands in the air. He's going to be in the team. Just behind him. Yeah, there's also a small boy there who's very excited. He's going to be in the team. Uh, (laughs) Granny, she's she's going to be in the team also. That little girl on the left-hand side, she'll probably be the new centre-forward, I imagine. Yeah, number nine, I think uh, they're going to announce that today. She's the rumoured number nine, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Uh, it's all very promising. Uh, I'm quite surprised Rizzle Kicks aren't there, to be honest with you. I don't know who that is. Well, they're a band who often are involved in these sorts of Arsenal media kit launch things. Right. Rizzle, Rizzle Kicks. Rizzle Kicks, yeah. Right. Surprised you haven't encountered them, but no. they're, they're, they haven't got a mention. Um, we weren't asked to be part of this parade. What a liberty. Outrageous. It really is. I mean, and I surely that all the flags in the background have yeah. just got the cannon on. None of them have sort of Wenger out on them or anything. So it's not a very realistic scene, no, is it? Not at all. I mean, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you're not getting top bloggers to promote your wares, then how can you how can you connect? How can you connect with the people who really care? Exactly. If you don't send us free shirts, 
How mm. can how's anyone going to buy that kit? Yeah, exactly. Nobody is now. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Until we get our <laughs> extra tight. If you send me Arsenal, if you send me an extra tight players model of the shirt with whatever it is, the massage parlour stitched into it, <laughs> then I'll get in shape and wear it. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah I, think, I think if that happens, we, we're going to have to do a video podcast of we you will, we will. in your shirt. And I'll be on here saying that at £100, it's a, it's a veritable bargain. True. I mean, look, £100 for a football shirt, I mean, pff, it's for nothing. Think, exactly. of, think of what £100 could do. Not much these days. Can't get a central midfielder for £100 these days. No, you can get an authentic player. You couldn't even get a... I mean, I guess once you add a a name and stuff to it... A name, yeah. And a number. That's probably another 20 quid on top, isn't it? Yeah, 120 quid for a fucking football shirt. It better make you a lot better at playing football. It doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) Not at all. Um, all right, are we going to do some questions? Let's do some questions. Um, what to do? Well, here, do well, let's start this one. Okay, Sorry. you go. Okay. All right, seeing as we're talking about kits, at Gunner Outpost wants to know, if you could design a horrific new Spurs kit, what's the worst kit you can think of? Oh, well, we already know what the motto is going to be. <laughs> um, I, I've never seen a brown football kit. Didn't they have one? Am I Did not, they? Oh, somebody had one, and I think it could have been one of their away kits. Somebody Maybe. had a brown... Yeah, I'd love to see... I mean, funnily enough, when you type in brown football kit, one of the things that comes up is our away kit from this season, which is a bit harsh. It's sort of a, it's a gold. But I'd love to see a kind of... A pooey brown is the only way I can put it. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, um, that, that could be good. Um, maybe with, like... Ventilation patches, but in unusual places, like maybe just holes over the nipples, <laughs> or Madonna cones. Yeah, Madonna cone nipples. That would be good. But I think what would really annoy them, of course, is if it was red and white. Now I know we, you know, you're sort of sullying your own brand to an extent. But I remember who was it that sponsored them? Mansion, or yeah, I think so. And they had a red logo, and there was outrage. Among the Tottenham faithful. Oh, yes, it was red M, yeah. We can't have a red on our shirt. This is outrageous. (laughs) That's what they said. So you would make them a red shirt? Yeah. (laughs) Would you, would you, I mean, would you put a cannon on it or would that be a bit much? That might be a bit much. You wouldn't put a cannon next to the cockerel, like shooting it off its little perch. Yeah, like literally a cannonball going up the arse of the cockerel and the cockerel's insides exploding, (laughs) just guts. And the guts could be red. That's how you get the red onto it then. Yes. Yes, that would be good. So I think that's what we do. A brown shirt with a cannon shooting the arse out of a cockerel, the cockerel's guts going everywhere, and then just in... You know the way sometimes... uh, on football shirts, they have stuff in the stitching that when you hold it up, you can you can see a pattern or you can see words. Mm. And we could just oh, yeah, have, yeah, like, yeah. hashtag 1961 all the way through it. Nice. Very, very nice. That would be good. Um, and then you'd have to get sort of one of the worst worst sponsors, you know, in history, I don't know, to, to be emblazoned across the front of it. Oh. Trying to think of some of the bad ones. Who um, could you get? <sighs> Phil Collins. Oh <laughs> God! Sponsored by Phil Collins. Would it be just his name, or also his face stitched into it? Yeah, his face, his face and his name. 
Nice. Yeah. I think, I mean, yeah. I, I, the thing is, the way football kits are going, it wouldn't surprise me if someone brings that out soon. There was a, one of his um, one of his albums. Uh, fuck, one of his fucking stupid shit albums. No sure. jacket required, and there's just a big luminous fucking Phil Collins orange turnip ridiculous potato looking head. So that <laughs> that head on a brown shirt with the cannon and the cockerel. Photoshoppers, please. Uh, on your marks, get set, go. Let's produce that that Tottenham shirt, please. Please, we could do a big kit launch for it. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> do a parade of people walking down the street wearing Ch- it. Chaz and Dave, Phil yeah. Collins, those guys that made that really mad. That you remember that song that came out? They did it was like one love Tottenham thing, and they kept oh. trying to delete it, and all the Arsenal fans kept uploading it again and again <laughs> yeah, and again. Yeah, yeah. They like just missed the point that the minute something becomes digital, it's permanent. I You're know, fucked. I know. As um, frightening as that might be for you and I. Yes, but um, still. Okay, that well, I'd love to see that if someone can do that. Uh, let's have a question. This is sort of what we were talking about before, really, but this comes from Shane Langan at Shane Eno on Twitter. And he asks, given how many central midfielders we seem to have, do you think Wenger might shift to a narrower formation like 4-3-1-2? That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Like a diamond, say. Mm. Because you've got to fit Mesut Ozil in there. So you've got to have kind of a number 10, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Might we see something like a 4-4-1-1? With Ozil being a bit of a bird camp, I guess that would depend on what the striker we bring in is like, because we we've we've got to buy that striker. I mean, I think that's that's imperative. Um, I, I I mean, I just don't know at this point what his plans are for the midfield or how he's going to set it up, uh, because he loves Santi Cazorla. Uh, we've got Coquelin in there who can do that uh, holding destructive role as well. I mean, I wonder, is he thinking about a midfield that can that can adjust to various formations or various opponents? Mm. Would that would that be the kind of tactical thinking that we would expect from Arsene Wenger? Or would he prefer something, you know, a little more consistent and fluent? He's not a guy who's particularly prone to tinkering with the system, is he, over the no. course of the season? I think if he if he can have something that's structurally sound and that can help build up those automatisms as Permatacker would say then I think he likes to stick with it it's intriguing thinking about a diamond system you know you could have your back four and then I don't know let's say you had Shaka Shaka deepest and then Ramsey and Kazola slightly further ahead and Mm. then Ozil at the point of a diamond Um, and then I guess up front you would have well, from your current options, you could play Giroud and Alexis as a front two. Yeah. Um, and maybe you've got a bit more kind of versatility, certainly in terms of attack there. Would that not then... You know the way that when teams want to squeeze us well, uh, exactly. into into being completely uh, ineffectual, they just make us really narrow so we don't have any width? Uh, well, and, and that formation would would strike me as one that doesn't have a great deal of natural width anyway. So yeah. um, there'd be a huge onus on the fullbacks, wouldn't there? In a, in a, in yeah. a situation like that, um, I don't know. I think Arsenal's quite wedded to the sort of system that we play at the moment. I think it'll be something vaguely similar. I think the exact composition of the kind of central midfield three could change. You, you imagine Urza will be 
the most attacking. But then, you know, we've seen times in the past where he's played with two deeper players, like a Cockland and El Nenny. But then he's alternated it and put a Ramsey in there with a more traditional holder. I don't know how he intends to put that together. My gut says that he's probably thinking about Shaka alongside Aaron Ramsey. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. Mm. I think so. But then where did that leave Santi Cazorla? Uh, I, I don't quite know. Uh, I mean, does it leave him as somebody who provides depth? Um, I mean, he's not. he doesn't strike me as a player who's going to want to be on the bench. He's too good to be on the bench all, all the time, isn't he? Um, but yeah. at the same time, you've got to have, you've got to have that um, that that depth to be able to cope with the season as the season goes along. I wonder if we're after a wide player, whether that will have an impact on what he does with the midfield. Like, could he could he use Ramsey from the right a lot? Yeah. Well, somebody asked this Swana deep. At Swan and Deep 90 said, do you think that with Shaka's signing, we'll see Ramsey as a permanent first-choice right-winger? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, again, we're, we're just speculating. We won't have any real idea as to what he's going to do uh, until pre-season and even a, a little bit into the season. Um, but, about, but, I mean, I guess you don't spend... 30 million on a central midfield player without thinking of him as somebody who's going to be first choice, as we said. El Nani, you know, is a player who was brought in for reasonable money, more expensive than than was reported, apparently. Um, so he spent oh, right. a, a fair amount of money on those players. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. We spoke about Ramsey, or I spoke about Ramsey in the player assessments on, on the blog, and it feels like everything has to work for Ramsey to get into the team. Everything has to be right around him. And is he a player mm. around whom you build a squad in that way? Do you know what I mean? Like, I like him. I think Ramsey's a really good player. But is he the is he the player uh, around whom you build a system if you can't find any other way of getting him into the team? I, I do know what you mean. and But I, my gut feeling is that Arsene still harks back to that 2013-14 season and Ramsey's performances in that year. Mm. And I do wonder if in Xhaka he thinks he's found a player who can kind of emulate what Arteta brought to the team in that time and thus become a, a viable partner for Ramsey. Um, but you could be right. I personally, I quite like Ramsey from the right-hand side. Mm. I like Ramsey in that attacking position. Um, and that could free you up to find a way to get Cazorla back into midfield because I think we really missed Cazorla. And in fact, in the one thing I meant to say after the final game of the season, the match against Villa, was that I'd forgotten quite how quite how good he is in that role. You know, mm. Mm. he's excellent. So I, if and when we play with Cazorla and Özil, you know, we've got someone who can find Özil that much quicker from deep. I mean, I'm I'm sure Shaq has been bought partially because he can do that too, but. Um, yeah, it's really, really difficult to to call at the moment. If you had to pick a starting lineup for the first day of next season from the current players, because even a guy like Alexis could be used on the left, could be used on the right, could even be used through the middle. We yeah. we don't know at this stage. Yeah, I mean, Sean Batrick and a number of people, also Alex Todd, Alex Todd uh, 101, uh, and at Sean SH33P say there's lots of noise about a Ramsey exit. What do you make of that? I mean, I haven't. I have to say, I haven't noticed much in the way of that noise. But if people are saying it, then it's around somewhere. 
It is. I mean, I haven't particularly heard that for for a little while. Um, I would be surprised. I would be surprised, given the outgoings in central midfield, you know, the fact that we've lost Arteta and Rosicki and Flamini. Um, but I think we've said on the podcast before, if someone came and offered a, a big sum of money, and you would imagine it would be a big sum of money to secure Ramsey, it would be tempting just because as much as he's an outstanding player, you're right that we haven't necessarily found a way to make him click within the team in mm. the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Would that would that be a bit of a blow if we thought we'd sign Shaka and then suddenly it turns out we're losing, you know, someone of kind of equal standing? I, I mean, I don't think you can you can lose three players from midfield and lose uh, you know, whatever about those three players and the contributions they made, I still think there's a really good player somewhere in Aaron Ramsey. Um, and I think we're a, a stronger squad with him in it. I think mm. if we want to build a squad that that can challenge and can compete properly next season, I, I don't think you can afford to lose a, a player like Ramsey. And I think, you know, if he finds the right partner, then I think he can be a really, really good player. But it depends on on whether or not Arsene Wenger can find that player or is in or is minded um, to do that. Also, you know that that's the other thing. But I, I you know, I'd be very surprised if if uh, Ramsey wasn't an Arsenal player next season. Yeah, I would too. I would too. All right. Question. Um, yeah. Uh, from me or from you? We've done that thing where we've lost it. I think I, the... I just asked one there about Ramsey, so I think it's. Oh, you. okay, fine. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll do one then. Don't worry. Okay. Um, this is from Ty Tiberal or Tiberal, who's at Kojabo Berlin. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asks because this is something I've been pondering over the weekend: Is it the right time to go for Higuain if he can lower his release clause to, clause to around forty-seven million euros, as rumored? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Why not? The guys, like, what are we looking for this summer in a striker? I mean, goals. What, goals. Right. Are All we looking for? I mean, I know we've spoken a little bit about the potential to find a player who could develop into a world class striker. And I still think, from an Arsenal point of view, that's something we should be looking at. I really think we should be trying to identify the next guy, you know, who can do a, perhaps what Van Persie did. Uh, just without being such a massive injured all the time cunt, um, you know, find identify a player. Maybe that that Dutch guy Jansen. Maybe he's the guy who could come along, and we could buy him and not make him the first choice striker next season, but bring him into the squad and let him develop over a couple of seasons. But you know, next season we need a player who can be hugely efficient in front of goal. And it strikes me that uh, he wants to leave Napoli, right? Yeah. He's 28 years of age. We are not going to get a huge amount of money for him if and when we decide to sell him, if we do buy him. But I think that we're in a position now where that doesn't have to be a consideration. We don't have to think about the uh, the value of a player when his contract is up or what we might be able to get for him. I think... It's more valuable if you've got a player who can come in and play two seasons, maybe three seasons, and get you 20 to 25 league goals in those seasons. Because what does that get you? It probably gets you at least close to winning a league title. It probably gets you further in Europe. It makes your team better. 
So the monetary value of a player at the end of his contract should be at this point an irrelevance given the amount of money splashing around the game, given the amount of money that Arsenal have. We shouldn't be worrying about that. What we should be focusing on is who can come in and who can score goals. And to me, he's a player who can come in and score goals. No? Yes, he certainly appears it. I mean, he broke the Serie A record this season, didn't he, for for goals in a single campaign. 36 goals in 35 games. Um, scored two goals in two Europa League starts as well. Uh, he is he is twenty eight. He'll be twenty nine, I think, in December. Right. But that would still give you, I think, two or three years of you know top level stuff. And I just think he's he's ready made. He's he's the guy for right now. Mm. We've talked in the past about people like Lukaku, maybe Janssen. And I, you know, there's a couple of French prospects potentially, and I can see the logic there. But if you want someone who's good to go, yeah. you know, tomorrow, Higuain is is one of those what, guys. What is his release clause? So his release clause, his current release clause, is seventy two million pounds. Right. So basically, nobody ever pays the fucking release clause. Nobody does that. That's not what it's there for. Um, right. it, it's to, it's a bargaining chip, isn't it? But uh, I mean, look around at what the prices. Uh, quoted for for players are I think Leon rejected thirty five million euros for Lacazette. Yeah, so that's the that's where the market is. I mean, so his his release clause currently his current contract is seventy two million pounds. Pounds rumors, or euros? Pounds that is yeah. right. If if rumours are to be believed, he is trying to sign a. A revised deal with Napoli that would reduce it to around forty-seven million pounds. Um, uh, even if it stays at seventy-two, his market value is probably about sixty million pounds, isn't it? Maybe not quite, given his age. Maybe not given his age. I mean, but, but here's the thing: uh, they're talking about Morata being available for somewhere between million. forty and fifty million pounds. Yeah, like I mean, th- this is a guy uh, who clearly is a very talented player, but in terms of his uh, goal return, you'd be very hard pressed to say that he's a guy who uh, who is worth that kind of money. He might become worth that kind of money at some point, but I mean, how many goals did he get this season? Well, he got 12. he got seven goals in thirty four appearances in Syria. Seven goals, but in all competitions, he has. I'm just making sure he hasn't got any international goals. He's 12, got twelve. Twelve in forty seven. Okay, I mean a lot of those are from the bench. Yeah, previous season, sixteen. That's not bad, but again, he's okay. One international goal. Boom, boom, boom. So fifteen. 15, and the previous season he would have been at Real Madrid, so I'm guessing he scored fuck all. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, he got nine, which isn't bad, I suppose, for a guy who was probably coming off the bench all the time. So he, there's a 23-year-old guy who isn't playing even on a regular basis, commanding a fee of £50 million, pounds, or at least in the, in, the, in the press, a fee of £50 million. Pounds. So, you know, if we want a striker, if we want the guy that can be an upgrade on Giroud, uh, if we, um, you know... We're going to have to pay the money. Mm. Um, I, I don't think there are any bargains out there anymore. There's no bargain out there for a top-class striker. It's just not possible. So, yeah. I mean, our options are limited as well, aren't they? It's Higuain, it's Morata, it's Lukaku, maybe. 
Do you, when you see Higuain and what he's achieved this season, do you feel a, a t- significant twinge of regret about the way Arsenal allowed him to join Napoli? Yeah, well, I, I always felt we should have bought him. I was very yeah. strongly advocating his signing back in 2013, and I think he would have been a really good fit for us, you know? I know that we had the Suarez thing going on, but I, it always felt to me like Higuain would have been a, a much better fit for Arsenal in terms of... Um, just the the lack of drama and nonsense and bullshit that was around him. And we've Mm. said it before, haven't we, that we always felt like Barcelona was the Suarez endgame. His wife is from Barcelona. Uh, It always felt like that's where he wanted to end up. He definitely wanted to leave Liverpool uh, that summer, but um, Arsenal would have been, I think, a stepping stone to uh, another league or, or to Barcelona in the end. So well, it's a well trodden path, isn't yeah. it? Arsenal to Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, oh, you, you go through that door there at Arsenal, you end up in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would have. I mean, I, I get maybe reservations that he is twenty eight, but look, if you get two really good seasons out of a player and it helps you win something, money well spent. I mean, what did Manchester United pay for uh, Martial for for uh, for Memphis Depay? What are, play- what are clubs going to pay this summer for players who won't make half that impact? So I think we're just going to have to accept that the market is ridiculous and bite the bullet and pay the money. Yeah, he would be uh, he'd be right at the top of my list. Mm. Uh, is it another one? My turn? Your turn. Okay, if you were to invent a chant for the new guy, Xhaka, what would it sound like? Oh... That's that's that's. I mean, he's got a great name, hasn't he? I feel like there's going to be a hell of a lot of good headlines for him. Yes. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Well, I I think there's only one possible Go option. On. I mean, there's all the boom shakalaka stuff, of course. Boom shakalaka's good, yeah. But to me, it can only be based on the famous Badger song. Oh my god. So here here we go. Just so if people don't know it, this should do it. Etc. etc. So yeah, that that to me it's gotta be Jaka 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 Mushroom. What, would it still be Mushroom or would it be something else? I don't know. Arsenal? Maybe his midfield partner, depending on who that is. Yeah. That's great. I like that a lot. Yeah? Um, I mean, I think we need to get a bit more creative with our songs at Arsenal. You know, we, we need to raise our game. And that would be a step in the right direction. Yeah. Would be if good. We want I players mean, to be attracted to the club. Yeah. It'd be easy to remember. Think- Nobody could, like, forget the words... Jaka 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 mushroom. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, maybe keep it as mushroom. Yeah, keep the lyrics to mushroom. That'll be not? it because everyone will be going, "What the fuck? Why? Why are they singing mushroom at this guy?" And we could like design a range of mushroom-based uh, merchandise that could be his brand. We could go. That would be a whole new sort of arm for Arsenal's corporate machine: mushroom-based sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. He could, he could get tattoos of mushrooms. Mm. Do you like mushrooms? Uh, I actually don't particularly. Right. Do you? Don't mind them now and again. The odd one with a you know with a fry or something like that. But 
I wouldn't be mad for all the, the the crazy mushrooms that you get. And you know what the worst soup in the world is? Mushroom soup, unquestionably. It's I've like, never had it. Oh, it's grey. It's just this grey mushroom tasting, like gloopy, disgusting stuff. It's terrible. No one wants a grey a grey soup. No, it's like what? a brown kit. Exactly. You want a nice, colourful soup, a sort of reddish or orangey or or even a sort of a, a green you could get away with. A green you can just about manage, a pea soup or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But not grey. No grey soup. No, thank you. Yeah. All right. Got another one? Uh, well, all right. This is a quite a generic question, actually, but I'm going to ask it on the back of the Jacker deal. Okay. It's from Van Arsenal at Jesper... 14. And they asked, do you think the N do you think that the Arsenal's contract situation and his age will urge him to spend bigger than ever this summer? <laughs> um yeah, I mean there was uh there was another question like that from from Fever Pitch. Uh, other than blind faith after after years of not doing so, do you see the Arsenal signing the players we actually need and finally making a challenge for the title next season? If I mean if I were Arsene Wenger and I spoke about this on the the Arscast on Friday with the with the guys we did our roundtable uh, Arscast end of season thing. My feeling right now, anyway, my gut feeling is that this is going to be Arsene Wenger's last season. Right. If I were him, I'd just fucking spend the shit out of it. I'd be like, "Fuck this! I'm like, I'm all in. I've done twenty years here. I've you know, I've played a part in us getting all this money. Now I'm spending it. Going to spend the fucking shit out of it." Um, whether he thinks like that or not, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's a little more perhaps conscientious than I am, probably a little more strategic in his thinking uh, and the yeah. way that he views money. Um, because I, you know, if I were the Arsenal manager, I would be like Scrooge McDuck. I'd be <laughs> jumping off my desk into the, like a swimming pool of gold coins and just lying on a bed. Fucking I think that's what up. Stan Kroenke does. Just throwing all the dollar bills up in the air going, woohoo! money. That's what I would be like as the Arsenal manager. Arsene Wenger, of course, <laughs> is slightly more prudent uh, economically than that. So I- I'd love it to happen. I'd love for him to have a real, like, just fucking go for it. Go for it. Why not? Uh, whether it actually happens or not, I'm a little bit um, a little bit dubious because, you know, we've, we've been here before. We know what, what Arsene is like, so I'm not 100% sure that that's going to happen. But I'd, I'd love it. I'd love if it did. Well, it's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or what? What do you think? What do I think? I did my predictions, didn't I? I can't remember what I said. Um, oh, I didn't write them down. Yeah. Oh God, we've oh, well, this is going to be trouble come the end of the summer. Oh, hang on. Uh, I think you keep talking. I've got a. Bit, I'm sure I've got the piece of paper around here somewhere. Okay. Um, I think he might do. I'm really encouraged by the Shaka signing, by how early we've got it done. I suspect it's probably partly to kind of capitalise on the good mood off the final day of the season and make sure all those season ticket renewals come back sharpish. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think I hope he does. I don't share your feeling that this is his last season. I think he, I, if I had to bet at this point, I think he'll be a beyond next season. But yeah, it's difficult to anticipate. Difficult to anticipate exactly what his intentions will be. Mm. He, he's gonna. It looks like he's gonna wait, wait it out certainly, and see what the mood is like uh, come the end of the next season. But we'll see. I don't know. I think 
he, the, the summer he's got to top is two summers ago, isn't it? That was about 80 million, was it? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. If he buys Gonzalo Higuain, he'll certainly do it. Yeah. What did I say? I, I can't find it. Just hang on there. I, I think it's outside. I was looking. I'm just going to see here. Where are my bits of paper? Hang on. I mean, I don't even, but I think he's burnt Sorry, it's, it's outside. But, uh, yeah, all I can find are bits of paper with stupid-looking men drawn on them, with big sure. eyes, doodles. Um, and I was pretty sure I had it written down here, what we what we said. We'd have to go back. Oh, I found our end-of-season predictions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and find it at some point. Yeah, it's on one of the, it's on one of the podcasts. So, uh, yeah, Guys, we, it's on a podcast or a piece of paper somewhere. Yeah. It's not around. Okay, look, let's have a couple of quick ones to finish then. Um, this one comes from Alex Brannigan uh, at Brannagorn. Oh, him again, Brannagorn. Uh, he says, would you rather have £50,000 in your account or £1 million in 50p coins in a silo not depositable? I don't even know what that means. Like, you, can, you can't si- take all those 50, um, 50p coins and put them in the bank. You just have to go to your silo... Okay. Which is probably, I would say, just to make it a little less convenient, it's far from your house. So it's like, you know, when Walter White in Breaking Bad, he goes out to the desert and buries all his money out there. It's, it's, uh, it's like so that. So what are the sums? What are the sums? You've got, got 50 grand, 50,000 mm. pounds in your account right now, or a million pounds in 50p coins, which is far from your house in a silo. I would still take the million pounds. Yeah, I mean, it's... Currently, I'm trying to work out how many 50p's I could get in my Fiat Punto. <laughs> you have a Fiat Punto. Is that your car? That's my car. All right. That's my car. I saw a great... Uh, uh, there's a great... <laughs> uh, I have to, to see if I can find this here. But um, there was a brilliant thing doing the rounds uh, where somebody had changed the P on a Fiat Punto to a C. Very good. Which is Very excellent. Clever. And I hope you've Don't done that. Don't get any ideas, people of Islington, if you see my car around. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, I reckon you just would have to do hire a lorry and just drive around with a lot of 50p's in it. It's too much money, a million pounds, for me to turn it down. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. However inconvenient. Do you think you'd probably end up spending, like, loads of it in an arcade playing video games just because you've got all that change? Probably. Yeah. I'll get rid of it somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like using it for, for t- toilets at train stations. Mm. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, vending machines. Mm. You'd never, we'd never want for a coin at a vending machine again. This is very true. Very true. You could buy those things in toilet, um, in airport toilets. They're, they're supposed yes. to be, if you've forgotten your toothbrush, you just get this round ball of stuff, minty stuff, and you can just put it in your mouth and... Finally, finally we can get our hands on those. Yes. Yeah, no, it's the million pounds for me. What about you? Oh, fucking million pounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can put it on the other side of the world. I still want the million pounds. Yeah, it's a million pounds, not 50,000. It's a ridiculous question. Do the maths, guys. All right, Free Steve at Parlor Games N5 wants to know, under what circumstances would it be acceptable for Arsene Wenger to dance on the touchline? What dance should he perform? And is there anyone else you would like to see involved in the dance, whether they want to be or not? I think 
had he danced on the final day of the Premier League season, I think I could have forgiven it, certainly. Uh, as the goals rained down at St James's Park, mm. if he'd produced the worm on the touchline, <laughs> I think that would have been rather touching. Yeah. I think when his final day at Arsenal comes, a slow dance with Borough Primarach. What song would they play? I think I think they'd have to play... Um, I, I'm going to get it up here. I'll, I'll get the song now in a second. Okay. Yeah. I just have this vision of them sort of in the in the dugout, just swaying back and forth. Yeah. Serenaded by whichever tune you're about to uh, unleash upon us. Okay, here, here it comes. Here it comes now. There's probably an ad at the start of it, given that it's YouTube. Of course. Hey, I'm Mike Russell, and you're probably watching this video because you've heard of New Media Europe. No, Mike. <laughs> This is it. This is um, Phyllis Nelson. Move closer in case anybody doesn't know this this classic. Hang on. It's, it's a great tune. Hey, baby. You go your way. And I'll go mine. But in the meantime, when just a this with like a, a glitter ball suspended from the roof of the Emirates Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Touching each other. Come on, Arson and Boro. I'd like that. Um, what about you? Any any thoughts on a particular dance for Arson? Uh, yes, yes. I I, I think it, it would be acceptable for him to to dance, having won the league. Oh, sorry, Phyllis Nelson. That's enough. Um, having won the league at Old Trafford. Yep. And I think the dance that he should do uh, should be the stomp. And I yes. think okay. jo- Jose Mourinho should be involved. And uh, he should be being stomped on. Yeah, I'd like to see Arsene wearing uh, 12-hole Doc Martens and stomping the absolute fuck out of Jose Mourinho. I don't know what the soundtrack would be. I don't think he even needs any music. He doesn't need music to do it. He could just stomp, 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 stomp. Uh, and that would be it. Is that a dance or is that just kicking someone to death? Uh, it's a grey area. It's a fine yeah. line. People aren't <laughs> quite sure. It's a little sure. bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing no, wrong not? with that. Yeah, exactly. Why so, not? So that's why I think it would be acceptable for, for Arsene Wenger to have a dance on the touchline. Uh, other than that, not really. I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. No, probably not. He doesn't look like a great dancer. <laughs> No, certainly not a Pardew, that's for sure. No Pardew, thank for that, God. Yeah, for that we can be thankful. All right, well, look, we better leave it there. Um, we'll be back, what, next week when more exciting things have happened in the world of kit leaks and uh, Snapchat pictures? Mm. Yeah, and we have to, uh, we must organise that game of FIFA. I know we keep talking about it, but... Uh, oh, yeah, of course. We better do, do yeah. that. So uh, how's your schedule? What's your schedule like? One of the evenings? Uh, it's- uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think, yeah. Potentially this week or potentially next week could be a goer. Okay, we'll discuss it during the week and then maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll do it next week. Should okay. we provisionally so can... mark, let's say, next Wednesday evening? Let me have a look. Yeah, get your diary out. Uh, no, not no? next Wednesday. Oh, or next Thursday. Oh, see, I can't do Tuesday because I'm playing football. Alas. Alas. What about We'll next... talk about this offline. We'll discuss it. All right. Okay. Yeah. We don't want to give away too much of our diaries and calendars. 
Yeah, no, no. All right. Not. All right. Um, we'll catch you then next Monday for another Arscast Extra. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.